0: Hello and welcome to the Sensibly Speaking podcast. This is Chris Shelton, the critical thinker at large, coming at you for another hour of power here on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio. Radio. Uh, let's see, Spotify. Now we are now on those two platforms. Yay! And of course, with video here on. YouTube. And as you can see, I am welcoming back uh, David Kyle Johnson. He is a professor at King's College in Pennsylvania. He is a critical thinking professor, my favorite kind, (laughs) Um, The kind that uses critical thinking, teaches critical thinking as a discipline, not just as a side note or something to sort of ponder while they're learning, you know, English or math or some other mainline topic. He actually teaches it directly. And um, as we spoke about in our last podcast, which if you haven't seen, I encourage you to do so. Um, you know, that is not as common as you might think, the education of critical thinking as its own discipline out there. A lot of colleges out there are teaching critical thinking, but they're teaching it via another avenue or subject or or class. So I um, heavily, heavily encourage critical thinking, of course. that's how I identify. It's how I put myself out there. It's what I like to talk about the most. And um, so I am most excited to talk with Professor Johnson here about this because... Because um, it's really, really helpful, useful stuff. And especially now when times are divided, people are, you know, a little uh, antsy, a little anxious, a little concerned out there about things. So uh, Dr. Johnson, welcome back to the show.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Chris. Yeah. It's good to be here. Um, the, uh, not, yeah, and there's a lot of misinformation, right? That's, that's why a lot of this is important because of the, because we are in such trying times, uh, it has produced a lot of misinformation. Um, and it's kind of hard to sift through it. Uh, and so what I kind of would like to do is, especially in regards to medical pseudoscience, um, trying to give the listener viewer some helpful hints, um, yes. and, uh, tidbits or whatever about how to kind of detect medical pseudoscience and tell real science from pseudoscience. Um, especially as it relates to COVID stuff and we'll talk masks and that kind of stuff before it's all over.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, this that's is kind of a, what I'd
1: like to
0: do. Yeah, well, I, and I want to, and I'm going to, I'm just going to sit back and let you do that. I, I want to say to everybody out there you know, you've seen or heard debunking videos. There's all kinds of stuff out there on the internet, of course, about debunking pseudoscience, debunking this, debunking that. And our effort today is not going to be trying to debunk something, it's going to be trying to give you guys some principles and ideas and guidelines that you can use that are simple, easy to remember things that are important principles of critical thinking that you can apply to any area of your life. And we will use examples and anecdotes from the current situations, but I want to really stress from the very beginning of the show here that this is meant to be as inclusive and, or as broad as you want it to be as far as where to apply this information. So that being said, um, what you got for us?
1: Yeah. So, so you mentioned I teach critical thinking and I teach it directly. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so I teach, I do this in my logic class. I've done this for in my liberal arts seminar for a really long time. Uh, I do it now in a course uh, that, is, that is called science, pseudoscience, scientific, pseudoscientific and medical reasoning. Um, and uh, part of the inspiration for that class is uh, I have a good, I have a good friend uh, in sports medicine Um and he brings me in about once a year to talk to his seniors for about a week to help them gain the ability to uh, detect medical pseudoscience. And so I have this long, kind of like hour and a half long, 90-minute lecture uh, on, it's actually like it's a 90-minute lecture, and then we come back and talk more about, like I give them homework to go, and they look at specific pieces of, of, of medical pseudoscience that are really common in sports medicine, like kinesio tape and that kind of stuff. Right, and, right. Right. Um,
0: oh God, cupping. And, uh, oh God, I've forgotten all about cupping. Yes. Yeah.
1: Right. And so they go. So I kind of give them the basics of how to think about this kind of stuff, and then they go off and do some specifics, and I come back and we talk about it that kind of stuff. And so what I'd like to give you is not that whole lecture. Uh, it's it's pretty long, and there's some visuals that we can't do here, and that kind of stuff. Um, but to give you some kind of helpful hints uh, uh, that are in that PowerPoint, uh, that are in that lecture that I give that will help uh, the listener detect pseudoscience on their own. So you can definitely, and we will here, apply this to things like masks and pseudoscience around masks and claims about masks and that kind of stuff. Great. Right. Uh, and uh, a little bit of, you know about COVID in general. Um, but you can take these and apply them to any kind of, any kind of pseudoscience. Um, and so what I would like to start with is, uh, I'll, I'll briefly mention the kind of, long way of doing it. And then I'll mention some shortcuts. Right. All right. So I'm not going to talk you all the way through the long way, but the, so if we're, if like the general question is, uh, how do you figure out what pseudoscience and what's not, what, what is, what is real science and what's pseudoscience, the most kind of comprehensive best way to do that is to uh, learn what science is and then, like use that as a benchmark to figure out whether something like fits the mold, right? Like you, you figure out what science looks like, and then you look at something else. And if it looks like that, well, if it looks like that, then it is science. And if it doesn't, then it's not right. Um, and so you kind of generally learn about what science is and very generally put science is in, in all of its different forms, all kind of elements of science have kind of one thing in common, and they are some variety of inference to the best explanation where you are trying to figure out what the best explanation for some kind of phenomenon is. Uh, it's especially true in medicine with diagnosis. When a doctor diagnoses you, uh, have multiple explanations for what your symptoms would be and the diagnosis they, they recommend, or that they you know, adhere to, uh, that, they, that they conclude is true, is the best explanation for their symptoms and the other evidence that they have. Um, I've got a whole paper on this, if you're interested on this, uh, on medical, diagno- uh, medical diagnosis and how it's essentially inference of the best explanation. And when you do inference to the best explanation, essentially what you're doing is you're asking questions like, is the hypothesis or explanation testable? Does it get the predictions right and so it's fruitful? Does it have wide scope? Does it have explanatory power? Uh, Is it simple or does it invoke extra entities and that kind of stuff? or, and is it conservative? Is it aligned with what we already have good reason to think is true? Right? Mm, okay. And so those are our kind of five criteria. And so you look at different explanations and you figure. And so if you see something that doesn't match those criteria and there's something else that matches those criteria better, you're likely dealing with the pseudoscience. Mm. Right. And so if you want to learn more about that, like we can do a whole other podcast on that if you want to. Um Otherwise, check out Ted Schick's book, How to Think About Weird Things. It's one of my favorite textbooks. I use it in multiple classes. It teaches those five criteria. It teaches scientific reasoning. I've never seen anything do it as good as, as Schick does. Um, and so you can do that and learn how scientific reasoning works. He gives tons of examples, and you just compare it to that. Okay. So you figure out what science a, looks like. Because you,
0: you, in a way, and correct me if I'm wrong, and I might well be, um, but it seems to me that the diagnostic process is itself a little application of the scientific method.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yes.
0: Okay, good. Because I mean, if we could, I mean, because most people have been to a doctor, been diagnosed with something, you can kind of walk through the steps. And I'm not saying we're going to do that right this second. I'm just saying you can kind of walk through that process and, you know, gathering information, making an educated guess, a hypothesis, right? Testing, looking deeper, checking more, getting more information, maybe running the person through some things, you know, uh, validating that hypothesis is correct. Or rejecting the hypothesis because something comes up. It's not true. And we have to form a new hypothesis. And
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and that's exactly. And, and so what I, so the paper is titled, let me find the title of it here. Uh, Inference to the best explanation and avoiding diagnostic error. It's in Alof's and Borden's Ethics and Error in Medicine, which is a book by Rutledge. Cool. Um, came out this year. Uh, so what I argue essentially is that like, even in science textbooks, um, what the scientific method is, is kind of misunderstood. They usually think only in terms of testing and confirmation. You just form a hypothesis. You figure you make a prediction and then you, and and that's part of science most definitely, but that's not all of science Right? Uh, that you can, even if something is not testable, in that kind of way, because there's limits to it, like you can't do it in a lab or something like that. You can still apply scientific reasoning to it by applying the other criteria, figuring out if it's if it's wide scoping, if it's simple, if it's conservative. Like you can bring other criteria to bear to figure right, out. Right. Good. Good point. Okay. There.
0: Good. So that that mixes in with this sort of thing we were all taught in seventh grade. Yes. With the steps, but then you bring in these other criteria to sort of overlay on that as judgment factors of how you're doing this.
2: Okay, cool.
1: Like, like, notice that I actually have an article coming out about this soon, too. It's going to take us a little bit off off of uh, of pseudoscience just for a second, right? But I I have an article uh, coming out uh, soon about the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, and, And some people will say that, well, since that lies in the unobservable past. Science cannot touch that. You can have no scientific argument about whether it's rational to believe in the, in the resurrection or not, because you can't do it. Go into a lab and figure out whether or not, uh, you know, whether or not it happened or not. Right? It's like that. No, that's 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 only one part of science, right? The, the testing part, right? Um, I can propose other alternate explanations for the evidence that we have, right? And then I can compare them according to criteria like explanatory power and scope. In conservatism right like and the fact that like the dead stay dead is a really established you know law in science right so the fact that the resurrection hypothesis conflicts with that but some other hypothesis that you could generate like jesus had a twin brother or something like that or he didn't die on the cross in the first place or something like that right like that would make it a more conservative hypothesis right and you could go down the line and etc right and so scientific reasoning is not just restricted to the lab or if you can't test it then it's not then been, then been, science has no has nothing to say about it right, right. science is much broader it is i it, it is it is it is, it is as far as i'm concerned it's all inference of the best explanation to some degree or others in different areas of science concentrate on more criteria than others and some have more testing and others don't etc um but uh, 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 science is all inference of the best explanation, and so if you're wondering whether something science or pseudoscience, you learn how to do inference of the best explanation, uh, and then you can compare it. Like you can see if that you know if the explanation that's being suggested really is the best one, and if it's not, then you're likely dealing with the pseudoscience. Interesting. So would you? That's a much more kind of comprehensive way.
2: Well, it
0: is. It definitely uh, is. And I I have a question from this, which is, um, would a standard then be, or could a standard be? it resolves falsifiable questions.
1: Uh, Right. So not always. Usually, usually, usually yes. Right? But not always because, like, the resurrection of Jesus is not falsifiable. Well, exactly. Which is why I...
0: Because we're talking there to anybody who's seriously going to argue the resurrection of Jesus. We're talking about faith. We're talking about a miracle. So those kinds of events while certainly an interesting academic exercise in scientific you know thought process to apply to that for the evidence it's not like you're going to be changing a lot of hearts and minds when you're presenting that evidence because you're talking to people who are faith based it's unf- you can't prove that he was or wasn't resurrected you can only speak to the evidence that we have and say well scientifically here's how I see this. Would that be right. right?
1: Yeah, although, I mean, even with medicine, you have people like, I mean, essentially like vaccine denial and stuff. Uh, it's almost become a religion and it's a lot, of, there's yes. a lot of faith claims and that kind of stuff, right? Yes. Same thing with like uh, um, uh, any kind of alternative medicine that involves some kind of like qi or something like that. It, it, it's, it's very akin to a faith claim. So you're likely not going to change minds, but that doesn't mean that you can't think about it scientifically.
0: No, for sure. For sure. And in fact, that's, and I wanted to differentiate those two things to highlight that point that we are thinking about the problem scientifically, which means that we are not thinking about it from a faith-based miracles, something we don't know proposition. Like, I guess the anti-vaxxers would be like, well, yeah, but you just don't know yet. So, you know, or whatever, or, or the evidence is being covered up or whatever their position is, but you can take any issue and go, science, baby, here's, here's, and we're going to approach this from, so it's, it's kind of a, an attitude or a, 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 you know, a, a view from which you are looking at the thing.
1: Right, right. So I guess, so the point I'm trying to make is that like, if we, if we take the resurrection, we have one possible explanation for the resurrection is Jesus actually rose from the dead. Yeah. And if I say, okay, well, here's some other possible explanations. Yep. Um, He didn't die on the cross in the first place. Uh, He wasn't up there for long enough. Uh, And then he, you know, they, they thought he was dead and he wasn't. And so he, and then he walked away. Right. Um, Or another possible explanation is that uh, he had a twin brother that nobody knew about who showed up after the resurrection and claimed to be him. Right. Or, Another hypothesis would be another one of the many prophets that were around at the time took advantage and claimed to be him and then said, why do you look different? Because the resurrection changed me and people <laughs> believed him, right? right. Um, or just, it could just be like the, the disciples were so distraught that they came to believe that he didn't die and was resurrected kind of years after the fact, maybe not even years. Um, just like people still believe that Elvis still lives and Hitler's still alive and that kind of stuff, right? That's right. And so I can propose those those alternative hypotheses, right? Yeah, and it, I, I'm I'm dealing with something that's unfalsifiable. I can't verify that any of those are true, right? Right. But what I can do is say, let's compare these according to the criteria. What's the simpler, right. more conservative? wide-scoping explanation, right? right that right, a dead right. person rose from the dead by supernatural means that we can't explain like magic or there was a twin brother. Like when when I'm doing that, even though it's technically I'm dealing with kind of unfalsifiable things, I'm still doing science.
2: Well, this is really
1: this is really good. Agenda.
0: No, I'm glad we're I'm glad we're bringing this up because this has been a confusion for me. And I'm glad that that maybe I can help other people sort it out while I'm getting it sorted out here, which was that I had made a fairly clear differentiation in my mind that those things that are unfalsifiable are pretty much not um, open to scientific analysis, and while I'll still, of course, psychologically hold that you're not going to change hearts and minds with a sure. scientific analysis of unfalsifiable miracles and things like that, it's good to know that actually you can take a set of criteria and still apply it to this quote-unquote unfalsifiable thing right? and still think of alternative explanations or reasons why that might be a thing. That's I, I only stress this because um, it touches so much on the you know, atheist versus theist thing, and um, right. so it's a good thing to to because I'd always sort of thought of that as a line in the sand, and so no, maybe it's a little, maybe there yeah, is there. Yeah, it, it's
1: little. a lot grayer because I mean, in in the same way that you can have scientific things that are unfalsifiable in this way, like string theory, mm. is there's no testable. There's no test that you could do in a lab to verify string theory. It's really explanatory. It's got high, high explanatory power, but it ain't simple. It you know requires things like 23 dimensions and that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> and so, but it, I wouldn't say it's not science, right? Like, it's, it's a scientific theory. It may not be true, uh, right? Uh, and there may be other objections against it and that kind of stuff. But it's not like, it's not a pseudoscience like, like, anti vaxxism is right right? right. like like you know uh chi and acupuncture is right Right. like it's not a pseudoscience in that kind of way
0: right no exactly Um, and that's where and that's where the the medical claims actually we get a lot more traction because those are not or shouldn't be in any world faith-based claims right yeah
1: but they've become that right become that right Right. and notice that you say like you know because of uh, you know because of people uh uh uh, what you kind of implied a while ago, because you can't test the resurrection hypothesis, you can do these kind of arguments that I was talking about, but you're not going to change anyone's mind because you don't have like, you know, a test and whatever. You're not going to change people's mind with the test either. Right. Like,
0: I know. I, know. I, I, can, I know I can
1: sit here and quote you all day studies that show that vaccines don't cause autism and I'm not going to change any anti-vaxxers mind. They are immune to the evidence. They don't care.
2: No, exactly. Right?
1: And so, you, you, I mean, you certainly can't use, well, you wouldn't change anyone's mind, and so it's not really science. You okay. can't use that as a... Oh, as no, a, no,
0: no, no. Uh, no, 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 of course. And I wasn't trying to be that blase about it. I was just trying to say, look, it's, you know, it, it's... Okay, I think what I meant by that, I think what sure. I meant by that is, um, with the claim like the resurrection, even if you propose alternative hypotheses, that's all they will remain, there is no more testing you can do. There is no more physical evidence than what we've got, which is basically stories. I mean, really is what we've got. And a physical location that, you know, long ago lost any physical evidence of organic, <laughs> you know, uh, re, you know um, resurrection. So I think where I was thinking with that is it's not like your alternative scientific explanation can be proven to be 100% spot on either.
1: Okay, whereas, yes, but here's whereas
2: a Whereas with the
0: Vax thing, you could get pretty down and dirty, and and you can bring in, you know, a Vax doctor on and he's gonna break it down chemically and and molecular. I mean, you can really get down into the details with that stuff. Right. And you will find the places where the science is a little gray and they're not quite sure about this or that or the other thing yet. That doesn't mean that all that, that vaccinations are awful and horrible and shouldn't be done, which is where the vaxers go. I guess I was just trying to make a differentiation between refuting religious claims versus a more scientific thing where you can come down and come up with a conclusion that you can absolutely stand by 100 out of 100 cases.
1: Okay, yeah, but here's where we have to be careful. Yeah. Yeah. Because science is never 100%. This is something that we learn in in philosophy of science, that there's always a little bit of wiggle room. The future could always be a little bit different. There could always be a mistake made. Uh, This is something that we we learn about in critical thinking, that all scientific tests and theories and uh, uh, hypotheses, and when we do a test or whatever, they're always based on background assumptions. Yep. And even in science, there, it's always the case that no matter what the evidence is, if someone wants to, they can always make an excuse to save that theory by changing a background assumption or something like that, uh, right? Okay. Um, and so, uh, uh, I mean, even like, there, there's a really good example in the Schick book about the world being round, right? And that the flat earthers can always make an excuse to get away, like I can give you the solid, what you would consider 100% proof that the world is round, look at the photographs that NASA took. Those those were faked,
2: yep. they will say, right? Yep.
1: like right. There's no way to actually 100% prove anything With like you can get to 99%, right? right? Like you way, way the hell up there. Right. Um, but nothing will ever be 100% proven. Right. No, and so sure. what I would argue is like with the resurrection stuff, no, I'm not ever going to prove which one of those hypotheses is right, but I can show that one of them is a lot better than the others, right? right. Like it will be at 99, but it might be a 90, right. right? Like it, it like, right. it's like, clearly given the scientific reasoning, et cetera. Like, and what, what I can do, I can't prove that it's true, but what I can basically do is prove that it is the scientific explanation. Like it's the best explanation. It's the one that if you're scientifically minded, that's the one that you should accept. Right. Right. And so I can, and so I can prove that not that it's true, but but that if you reject it, you're being unscientific and for apologists who really want to be scientific, that's a problem. Right. True that. Um, True that. Yeah. But anywho, good. Like so, we've established uh, a
0: few basics there. I just wanted to kind of differentiate that. So cool. That's
1: great. That's great. So um, so we have like so the long way is to learn what science is, and then just compare what you're looking at to see if it if it meets the criteria, and if it doesn't, you're likely dealing with a pseudoscience. But there's also a shortcut method. There's kind so kind of what what I call what I tell my students are kind of like red flags. When you see these red flags, your skeptical you know radar should go up and go. "Eh, I'm not sure this is all in the up and up here. Mm-hmm. All right. So I want to talk you through a few of these, these kind of red flags that we, that we come across. All right. So the first one I want to return to at the end, okay. but it's, it's testimonials. Ah. I'm going to mention it here. We'll come back and talk about testimonials. So the first one is if you see that the evidence that is, is put forth for the claims being made are mostly testimonials. Somebody says I did such and such, and then I felt better. Or, right. And it's just stories about what people had huge red flag. Mm -hmm. testimonials are not good evidence. I'll talk a little bit later about why they're not good evidence, but testimonials are not good evidence. If that's mainly what you're seeing, that's a big red flag. And
0: and the hardest part about that being such a red flag, because we know from the scientific point of view that memory is fallible, people have biases, et et cetera, et cetera, all the reasons we'll probably go over later. But the reason why it's so important to stress that one is because word of mouth advertising is the best advertising there is. Yeah. Eyewitness testimony in court is the most damning evidence, even though it's the worst quality evidence. <laughs> so we, it, this, is, this is very counterintuitive for us because right. we always think, you know, seeing is believing, wrong. And you can believe the stories of people who have actually experienced something firsthand as the best possible way to learn about something. And that's just not always true.
1: Oh, yeah. Because, no, because we like stories. Right. like We we, we, we love stories and we follow stories and testimonials are stories. And so we're just kind of more apt to be persuaded by them. Right. And so, you know, this happens in critical, I, I talk about this in critical thinking all the time where, you know, someone will, Read a consumer magazine that, that that crunches the data on the reliability of a car or something yep. like that, like yep. make and model or whatever. And they'll compare hundreds or thousands of models and crunch all the numbers about which ones last longer and blah 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 blah. And they'll say car X is the most reliable, right? And we're talking about you know thousands of cases that are all compiled and we see that right. But my friend had an X and it broke down on him. I'm not gonna buy an X, right? Like no, that, that doesn't work. One that's case fine. cannot override the evidence of thousands of cases, right? But because it's a friend, it's a story, it's more memorable, we go with it, right? That's right. Um, and so that's what makes testimonials so persuasive, even though they shouldn't be.
0: Exactly. Right? Um, we we and, recognize that this is difficult, folks. Like <laughs> I just wanted to yes. acknowledge that. I wanted to put that put that out there because it seems so wrong to not right. listen to your friends about the medicine they're taking
1: (laughs) (laughs) right 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 so let's let's return to testimonies. we'll talk about why they're so unreliable so we kind of know that they're unreliable we should if you see that that's going to be pseudoscience more than likely um we'll come back to why it is because it's going to lead us into what will lead us into some some other stuff here in a little bit so another red flag is if uh they mention tests but it's not clear exactly how the tests were done If they just say, well, we did tests and it showed that blah, 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 but you can't dig in the specifics and figure out exactly how the test was performed and what exactly the results were to make sure there were no shenanigans, big giant red flag. That's right. Um,
0: And it seems that it seems like things like that get a pass real fast from the general public. I know they do for me. I mean, if I project myself out to, you know, the rest of the world, then, you know, who wants to dig around in the footnotes? Who wants to dig around reading studies and papers and in dense academies, you know, it's hard to fact check some of this stuff sometimes. So why, you know, so I think, I think one problem people have is, you know, it's just too hard. Why bother? I'll take their word for it. You know,
1: very related to this. This will, this will be relevant a little bit later when we talk about masks. Very related to this is if people are, so, so one bad way is like if they, they, if they do a test, but they don't tell you how the test is done and that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Right. Another kind of red flag is if they're relying on the work of other people, someone else did a test, but they don't go into specifics. They just read you kind of like one line from the study that seems to support what they, what, you know, oh, seems to support what yeah. they're claiming, right? Yes. And then just, and just move on, yes. right? And they'll And they'll give you the link or whatever to like go look it up yourself, but they're – they're betting on that you're not going to, or if you do, you're not going to be able to understand it.
2: That's very true. This
1: is something, this is something called quote mining, where you take a quote out of something and it makes it sound like it's about something else. Right. And when it's not actually about that at all. So it actually changes the meaning of what they said that happens. Um, Or, What can also happen is, like, they'll mention, like, you know, the study found that, uh, you know, they did a test on these two groups that it was unable to find a difference between the two groups, right? And so the person will say, so that proves whatever they were testing doesn't work, right? They may be leaving out other evidence that it does work. They may also be leaving out the part of the study where the authors specifically say the study was underpowered, it wasn't very big. It really can't tell us much because it was so small. We were testing for X, but a lot of people in the X group had trouble actually adhering to the protocols of using X, right? Like if it's a study on masks, they didn't do very well in actually wearing on the masks all the time. They were right. They could very well be leaving all of that part of the study out. They're just quoting that line about, we couldn't find a difference. And they're leaving out all the parts where the authors specifically state, of for explain why the power what was underpowered and so we really can't conclude anything from that, right? Yeah. And so
0: that's a again, lot that's more very, common, I think, than people might suspect.
1: Happens all the time. All, the, all time. the time.
2: I can I've got a couple of you.
1: articles yeah. on psychology today on debunking kind of mask pseudoscience. And there's just example, example after example of people doing that.
0: Exactly. Um, I, I have read three times on Facebook a headline Based on a study, science shows, blah, right? And I dived in and I went to the study and I, because it was linked in the article or it was mentioned in the article. Sometimes it was only a Penn State 2017 study found and then I have to go do all the damn work to find the study, but I've done it, gone into the study and found the results were literally the exact opposite of what the headline said. Yep. Right, even with a quote pulled out of the study. Yes. So you got to be real critical sometimes yes. on articles.
1: I mean I I've, I've seen this you'll say you're misrepresenting what the study says. Yep. Right? And they'll say I, I quoted it. The quotes in there. I'm not misrepresenting part. everything. No, 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 no. You can quote something and misrepresent it, right? You can be quoting it and it makes it sound like it means something different than it did. Or you're t- like, by taking it out of context or you're failing to mention the part where they say that the, the results of that part of it don't really mean anything. Right. Uh, or it's revert. Like there's a, there's a study on masks by Ben resin that, um, where they were, uh, f- first of all, since masks protect other people and not the wearer like that, whenever like, I, so in, in the case of pandemic, when we're recommending them for public use, they're to keep people who are infected from from infecting other people. They're not protecting the wear. They're protecting others from the wear. Yep. Right. And so I've seen this 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 study by Ben Resin quoted um, as evidence that that masks don't work. Right. And it turns out that a the Ben Resin study is about protecting the wearer, not about protecting against source spread, but about protecting the wearer. So, A, it's completely irrelevant. Right. And then B. The part of the study that says they don't work—it's only about influenza, and it uh, specifically says that they do protect against SARS-CoV-1, which is way more similar than SARS-CoV-2, which is the virus that causes COVID, right? And they specifically say that it does protect against that, right? Yep. And the people I've seen quote this just—just just leave that part out, right? I tell it, you,
0: man, and you know, and and not to not to bash people too hard because let's also remember, people see and hear what they want to see and hear. So people will assign malicious intent to this all the time. And yes, there is malicious intent behind some of it. But let's always remember, people see and hear what they want to. So when they're forwarding that article to you, sometimes it really is in the best interest of everybody that you refute it but let's also remember refute it with tolerance and you know ease of communication not you fucking moron you misquoted right. this right because that's not going to help them or you you
1: know yeah and it, but it depends on who's doing it cuz if it's your friend on Facebook or something like that then they're probably engaged in confirmation bias right. and so you should approach with a gentle hand right, right. um if it's a professional scientist with an agenda who should know better,
2: then
0: rip them to pieces, please. Right.
1: right, (laughs) Then it's, that's, that's different. Right. Then it, then it's like, this is intentional. You know what you're doing. Right. Uh, you've, you've read the whole study and you willfully ignored those parts and just quoted the part that sounds like it supports your position. Right. Um, and then basically, are you know, misleading people. Oh, I quoted it accurately. I'm not misrepresenting it at all. No, you are. And you know, you are. That's right. Right. That's right. Um, and so there's, you know, so there's there's politeness can sometimes be pushed aside. On so I, just, anyway.
0: I, I only stress it because, of course, it's such such a premium these days yes. and and we really need a lot more of it, you know, yeah. but the context definitely matters, as we have pointed out here. So,
1: yes, most yeah, most definitely. So another red flag is if it's based on ancient knowledge, if it's been around for a really long time and has not seen any progress for a long time, like science progresses and updates its beliefs as it goes. Um, if it's if it's been around for millennia or claimed to be around for millennia, that, that's a big red flag. That's likely going to be pseudoscience.
0: Yep. Um, ancient Chinese secrets, huh?
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> and something that's interesting about ancient Chinese medicine is actually it's a pretty, re- it's a pretty recently invented thing and they put the kind of word ancient on it to make it sound like it but it's not right um just, just google the history of ancient chinese medicine you'll see it's not ancient right. at all well you know how um, they
0: spun that is they changed ancient which they used to use all the time to traditional
1: oh right take the right, time out right? it's, medicine, just tri- right. it's
0: in the tradition right well tradition could start yesterday so right yeah. <laughs> right.
1: But yeah, so, but look, at it's the history of it is really interesting that it kind of, there was a lot of mm-hmm. political motivation for it and propaganda and that kind of stuff behind traditional or, or ancient Chinese medicine. Um, do they, this actually relates to, do they have, uh, do they have an agenda? Is there, is it a biased source? Do they have it? Are they trying to sell you something? Right. Uh, do they have some other kind of uh, uh, intent in mind? Do they belong to some kind of think tank or organization that has some kind of political agenda or something like that? They're telling you what the science is or how to interpret the science or whatever. Big, big, giant red flag if they've got some kind of agenda uh, like that. Um, Doesn't necessarily
0: mean. We got to be a little careful here with the because you could fall over into ad hominem if you just flat out deny. Well, nothing from Fox News could ever be true or everything out of the Heritage Foundation is, you know, is conservative crap or something like that. That wouldn't be right. That itself would be a logical fallacy too.
1: Yes, but that's why these are all just red Red flags. flags. Exactly, they're not deductive proof. Like if you see this, be on your guard. Look deeper. Yeah, right. You're probably dealing with a pseudoscience, and so look a little bit deeper. Right. Exactly. This. So this is also the case if. um, So if they have a a, a political agenda, or ah, here's another good one that where you have to be careful with ad hominem. Um, If you see their argument, like you're not quite sure what to see, think about their argument, and you look and you f- and where you find their argument, is right along like it's here's an ar- here's an article from them, and then right beside that is an article of why by, by about why why Bill Gates is actually a Nazi, <laughs> right? And alongside another one about vaccines cause autism or whatever, right? Like if it's alongside right. those, now that's not proof that the argument's bad. That's a big red flag. Like if you can't figure out what to think about otherwise, but you see it alongside another argument, like the people who think that this argument is convincing also think the arguments that Bill Gates is a Nazi are convincing big red flag, right? Like that's a, that's a big warning sign. It doesn't prove the argument's bad, but it is an indicator that it probably is. And you need to look very closely at it. Right. Yeah. Uh, you need to take what they say for if they're telling you, if they're not providing evidence, they're just saying, hey, trust me on my interpretation of this science. Go <laughs> no, look into it for yourself.
2: Exactly. Um, just so, like you
0: just like you should be looking into whether Bill Gates is a Nazi.
1: Yes. Right. If somebody claims that.
0: Yeah. Because, I mean, it's pretty obvious that he is. And <laughs> we. <laughs> Oh so, my god man you just you can you just cannot get into a position I and you know I despised Bill Gates for his business practices his ruthless business practices running Microsoft but I'm willing to give the guy the you know the benefit of the doubt as a as a philanthropist that he that he actually is doing what he says he's doing and I just think that's a I think it's funny how people tear him down when they, you know the the guy has spent more money than I think any other single individual <laughs> trying to help people
1: yeah, it's wild. Right. It's wild. So uh, um, another red flag is uh, they don't have a legitimate pedigree. And here you have you can have people that just don't have any kind of training at all. But you also have to be very careful about people like scientists who are expert in one thing, but not what you're talking about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, a scientist who's of, you know, a, a, a physicist or something is not going to be able to tell you about medical issues or anything like that.
0: But that um, happens all the time
1: yeah all the time a great example is linus pauling who was a nobel prize winning oh, chemist yes right and he promoted the idea that vac- uh, that uh, vitamin c uh booster immune system
0: yes right? even when and this is this is a twice uh, awarded wasn't he didn't he get it twice
1: i think so i think
0: yeah i, think so. I mean like one of the few and yeah. and he when presented with the evidence Because eventually studies were done and it was shown vitamin C was not the panacea cure-all that Pauline was saying it was. And he went all the way saying, doubling down, tripling down, quadrupling down on vitamin C being like the thing that's going to cure you. I I can't tell you how much vitamin C I've taken in this body because Hubbard believed Linus Pauline and his bullshit about vitamin C. I mean, I have had mega doses of that stuff. Yeah. And it didn't do anything to cure me of anything. You
1: yep, know? Yep. Oh, God. Yeah, no, that was, and yes. it just goes to show that really smart people can, you know, make these kind of basic mistakes. It's it's being being smart does not, by itself, intelligent, does not make you immune from these kinds of mistakes. It takes training to, to avoid them. That's right. Uh, you, ha- you have to be very, very careful. Being smart only makes you better, like, by itself, it only makes you better at making up bullshit excuses exactly. for it. Exactly Right. You have to be careful. You have to train yourself to be careful. Right. Um, so, uh, so inappropriate pedigree, uh, if you see hokey marketing, um, mm-hmm. where like infomercials and people in lab coats and celebrity endorsements and name dropping and that kind of stuff, like, uh, airborne uh is a thing that's supposed to boost your immune system or whatever and it's like it was developed by a you know a a teacher or whatever inappropriate pedigree and it's just it's a marketing ploy right Right. uh so when you see see these kinds of things that that's that's a big red flag um If it's first announced announced by mass media and not through scientific channels, ah, a big red flag. Like uh, cold fusion was announced through the media first, rather than through scientific channels. That's right. That's a a big red flag. Um, That's right. If it's got a bunch of sciencey sounding jargon that you can't make sense of, that's probably uh, an indicator. Uh, Like if you hear if you if you hear things like. Our, our watches are in align with your natural frequency, and we have natural frequency technology in our oh, watches. Oh,
0: okay. Loaded language. Yeah,
1: yeah you're talking loaded about loaded language.
0: language. Okay, so this is so this is uh, like Deepak Chopra's whole con because he throws yes. quantum into everything, and it's all about yes. you know, quantum this and quantum that. Uh, okay, so watch for the inappropriate use of scientific yes. language.
1: Maybe here's a way to put it. If a, if a title to an actual journal article is un- uncomprehensible to you, that's fine. That, that happens. That's, that's scientists being scientists. The other scientists understand it. If you don't understand the title of a journal article, that doesn't mean it's pseudoscience, right? <laughs> right. However, if someone trained in, in like trying to communicate this kind of stuff to the public, right, is using language that's obviously kind of intentionally obtuse, that you really can't understand, and they're they're not um, they're not able to really understand how it applies or what it means or exactly right right then then you got big red flags then you've got the right. that's when you're talking about you know the, our, our our protocol lines with your natural frequencies and and blah, blah like that then huge red flag
2: that's right mm-hmm.
0: would you say uh, also that words like that used in those contexts tend to collapse rather rapidly. When challenged, I mean, for example, in this business with the frequency thing, the simplest of question, of course, is, "Well, wait a minute, what frequency? Frequency of what? What are are we talking about? Radio waves, gamma rays, beta? What are we talking about? What frequency of what exactly?" Even those two simple questions could 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 tear the whole thing apart.
1: Yeah, absolutely,
0: absolutely. Okay, yeah,
1: Um, yeah. It's it's usually you can do that. It's it's, it's, it's same happens for the next red flag, which is vague scientific language. Mm. So things like it improves performance
0: right performance of what when where how
1: what degree in what way right like does it make you uh you know uh i'm thinking of like uh like deer antler spray and that kind of stuff right (laughs) like does it make you oxygenate better like does it get more oxygen into your blood can we measure this does it give you more stamina if so in what way can it make you run longer does it make you stronger like like right and and you'll just get these kind of vague statements that can't be that can't be tested by the fda like it improves performance. Right? Well, exactly. Um,
0: and uh, uh, let, me, let me please take a moment here to please stress to the people who are listening to this show out there that you may or may not be aware of how much latitude the FDA has given to, say, vitamin companies, supplement companies. There's an entire industry here that has been growing up since the 1920s. MLMs were built on the back of this. The, the first MLM, multi-level marketing company, was a vitamin company, Neutralite. And this has been an industry that has gotten away with flat-out conning the mm-hmm. entire world. The vitamin and supplement industry is a complete sham. It is if, if, Unless you have lived an experience where the basic nutrients you need are somehow denied you, like you're on a boat and there's no fruit, you know, and you're out there for weeks and you're going to get scurvy, right— Unless you're in a situation like that, almost universally, especially in Western countries, your regular diet will give you all the supplements and vitamins that you need. But we've been sold this whole bill of goods. I just wanted to go on a roll on that because one of the other things that sort of underlies these points of critical thinking is that's really important is to have a healthy skepticism and doubt of just about everything.
1: (laughs) Yeah especially it, when make, people are making grandiose claims like that. Right? Yeah,
0: cuz it would serve you well because we're so inundated with so much of this hyperbole and exaggerated literature and and claims and 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 headlines and stuff that that we come we get a bit dull to it. Right. And and I think it's important to to stress sometimes that uh you know, you got to snap out of that dullness sometimes and really look at what you're looking at, you know.
1: Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Cool. Um so the next red flag is uh, if it if it has extra stuff in it. This is sometimes the mm. simplicity. Does it invoke energy fields or other <laughs> unverified entities or powers like 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 qi or like what well, homeopathy talks about—the essence of a substance being remembered by the water and that kind of stuff? Right. Um, if you've got these kind of extra assumptions that you have to make to get it off the ground to make it work, that's that's a huge red flag. Perfect. Um, so uh, does it make enemies out of its critics? Uh, does it vilify mm-hmm. them? Uh, that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, which that's really common in the anti-vax movement. You'll see, you know, like big pharma, and, right? Like you'll, you'll see these, you know, the doctors that are like looking evil with their needles and all that kind of stuff. If it, you know, kind of car- makes cartoon villains out of their critics, that, that's a big red flag.
0: Yeah. Um, Scientology is all about that with psychiatry.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Oh, oh God. same yeah,
0: sure. thing, man. Lab coats, evil looking. Every time a psychiatrist is ever pictured, if it's a real person, it's the worst possible picture they could get of the person. Right, right. Photoshop to make it darker and you know, grimier and more evil. And if it is, um, yeah, if it's an illustration or something, it's always exaggerated, overblown, dark colors, you know, dark.
2: Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah, it's, 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 uh, effective. Right. But it's not, right. It's not accurate. It's a big red flag when you see that kind of stuff. That's right. Um, alarmist kind of along this line, alarmist rants where like, are, are, like, are they saying all food is poison? Ah. Right. Uh, and so if that's true, we should all be dead, right? Like, cause you know, like anti-GMO people will say this, right, like all food is poison. was like, almost everything we, we eat is genetically modified in some way, right? If that was true, we'd all be dead by now. Right. Um, are all doctors trying to keep you sick just to, to line their pockets or, uh, you know, are they manipulating emotions instead of presenting evidence, right? Like again, with the, you know, the kind of propagandish, you know, demonish uh, vilification of their, of their opponents. Um, is it too good to be true? Is there, is there like no limit to what it can do, right? Like sea salt cures, sea salt, sea water. Is it sea salt cure cures all or whatever, right? Like kind of cure alls, so whatever giant red flag if, it, if it's too good to be true. That's right. And does it make excuses to save itself from the evidence? Does it make ad hoc excuses? Um, mm, really good example. example
2: of this. Yeah.
1: Really good example of this was uh, uh, on the Dr. Oz show. Steven Novella was on the Dr. Oz show talking about acupuncture. And saying that, like, look, we've done studies where, you know, like you take a, um, you take people that get real acupuncture and you get people who get, uh, you know, poked in the wrong place and you get people who are not poked at all. You just kind of, you know, make them think they're poked or whatever. And there's no difference between these groups, right? If it worked, there'd be a huge difference in the acupuncture group. There is no difference in the recovery of any of these groups therefore right and it's all completely controlled and carefully controlled and that kind of stuff there's no way bias is slipped in there's no real world randomness that's come in and skewed the results or whatever right like right and dr oz will just say oh well it's an eastern medicine so it can't be tested by western med- methods right like no Fair there's enough. no eastern western here if it works then the group that got the acupuncture should do better than the others if it doesn't then they, they don't right and they don't right there's, there's nothing western about it, but you Anytime anybody makes up these ad hoc excuse, right? If they're changing the background assumptions to get themselves out of the evidence. Right. Um, again, this is what makes it, you know, nothing is ever 100% provable in science. Cause you can always do that. But anytime anybody does do that giant red flag, right? That is most.
0: I, I, right. You know, they should take his doctorate away for crap like that. I swear to God, I, if it was one off, I'd be like, okay, Dr. Oz, ugh. but dude, the guy just gets away with the worst. I yeah, swear. I'm looking at the, the
1: the the slide I have in the PowerPoint on him, and I've got red palm oil. I've got uh, raspberry something that he's holding balloons or something. Coffee bean act- extract as the answer to weight loss. The paleo diet. Dial- I'm see- looking at him here with Justin Trudeau, who is now in jail for fraud. I mean, he's just he's he's into everything. Um, oh, he had and- he
0: had Trudeau on his. Oh, did you yeah. mean Kevin Trudeau? Okay, yeah, not just Justin's the Canada friend. Oh, Minister. I'm sorry, Kevin Trudeau. Yeah, Kevin, Kevin Trudeau. Trudeau. He was in Dianetics too. He, oh, he was he really he tried doing he tried to he tried doing a an on air selling of, of Dianetics stuff. He was so kooky, they kicked him out of Scientology. I oh, like my. they literally kicked him out of the church of Scientology because he was such an obvious con man. Oh man.
1: Well he's in jail now for conning <laughs> people. Yeah. Um his natural cures that they don't want you to know about that kind of stuff. Right? Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm looking at a picture right now of, of Dr. Dr. Oz, Oz.
0: man. Uh, I just, I, uh, there's some, there's some things that really get my, really get my goat. <laughs> and the, and the, the Oprah's proliferation of pseudoscience upon the American public is one of those things. And somehow yeah. she has just gotten off scot-free from that. No consequences and it really makes me sad because she has foisted more off on us. All right, anyway, Go please. On. I keep interrupting you. Go on.
1: Dr. Oz and Dr. Phil and uh oh, yep.
0: yeah. 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 You mean Mr. Anyway. Phil? Mr. Phil?
2: Guy's not no, even Phil. a doctor. Is, that's
1: true. It is Mr. Phil. He's not a doctor. <laughs> um so um if you've got like, so you look out for fallacious reasoning. So if you know your fallacies, you can, you can, you can spot pseudoscience. Are they doing data mining where they're, they're zooming in on a part of the graph or something and only showing you that part, not showing you the whole thing. Are they counting the hits and forgetting the misses like psychics do? Um, are they using too small or a biased sample size, uh, that kind of stuff like uh, the, the first uh, vaccines cause autism uh, study by Wakefield was like five kids and he selected them specifically because they were already showing signs of autism and there was no control group and that kind of stuff, right? right. Um, does it, you know, car- does it c- commit causal fallacies, correlation does not entail causation, that kind of stuff. Um is it uh is it all natural? That's another big red oh. flag If you hear all natural, that's a big giant red flag. Um, and, I wish we
0: could uh, I wish there were some phrases we could literally eradicate from our vocabulary
1: and all natural and one all
0: natural is one of them because at the end of the day everything's natural so
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you've seen the meme where the person says uh, except styrofoam. I've got this food and it, it's got all these chemicals in it and they lift off all these chemicals. W- would you ingest this into your body? And of course, they're like, no, no, that sounds horrible. It's like, well, that's an animal,
2: right? Like, exactly. That's
0: kind of exactly. Apple, right? Come on guys. It, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, I, I will, I will say, I will admit styrofoam, not organic, not natural.
1: Yeah, okay. Your styrofoam's yeah. not organic.
0: Plastic. Right. Eh, okay. All right. But the rest not of okay. it, come on. It's natural.
1: Most everything else out there. Yeah. Anyway, yes. um, and the, the last one I have, and then we'll return to testimonials, is appeal to ignorance. Uh, if people say that it is true because you can't prove it false, right? Oh, and God, this yeah.
2: Actually,
1: this is actually why it's really important to realize that science never proves anything 100%, right? Because... Uh, This makes you realize what's wrong with this argument like nothing can be 100% proven false because people can always make up bullshit excuses. So the fact that you can't 100% prove something true is not a reason to think it's false. And the fact that you can't 100% prove it false doesn't mean that it's true, right? right? You have to proportion your belief to the evidence. So when you have people appealing to ignorance, right, that's, that's a big red flag.
0: Well, nobody's, nobody's proven it's false. No one's proven it doesn't work. Well, you can't show me a study that says that I, that this doesn't do what it claims it will do. All true statements. Doesn't right. mean you're right.
1: Doesn't mean you're right. Yeah. So again, those are all red flags. Don't prove it. There could be exceptions here and there. And we may actually talk about a couple of them here in a little bit. Um, but uh, those are big red flags to get your, get your hackles up if, if you see those kinds of things. Cool.
0: Hey, everyone. I wanted to take this opportunity to talk to you about a service that I am endorsing and that I truly, truly believe in. And that service is called BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, BetterHelp. And they are available through BetterHelp.com. And this is a service that connects you with a licensed professional counselor online so you can get help with depression, anxiety, stress, or just somebody to talk to in this very, basically, very troubled times that we're living in right now. It is not easy to get out there in the big wide world right now. It is not easy to get out and see therapists or counselors. It is not easy to find counselors or therapists who can help you. And this is what BetterHelp was designed to assist you with. The simplicity of this is you go to the site, you sign up, actually you use the link that I have provided below, uh, which is betterhelp.com slash Chris Shelton, and you get signed up. And this can be for as little as $40 a week, and they actually even have uh, financial aid available. You enter some information, fill out a questionnaire about yourself, and you get hooked up with a counselor that will help you out. And this can be via text, via voice, or via a video. Okay? Any one of those. It's up to you and your comfort level. And if the therapist that you get connected with isn't doing the job that you feel you need, you can ask for and get a different counselor. So there are a lot of options for you in this, and it is really something that I think a lot of my viewers should be taking advantage of. I have talked often about the need for or the help that you can get through professional counseling, sometimes you need somebody who really does know what they're doing and not just a friend or family member to listen. And that's why this service is something that I am happy to put out there for you guys. So again, use the link below, betterhelp.com slash Shelton. that is in the description to this video. And I hope that you um, can get the help that you might need from this service. Let me know how it goes.
1: Let's return to testimony. So one of the yeah. big red flags is testimonials, right? Um, the reason that testimonials do not work, do not, affect, and so again, specifically what we mean by testimonial is somebody says, I had X, then I took Y, then I felt better, therefore Y cures X. Like, that, right. That's the kind of testimonial I'm talking about, right? Um, or uh, really good, a really good example when it comes to masks is there was this video going around of this kid who like, Put on a mask and then put on like put under the mask. Put a CO two detector, like the kind of CO detect CO CO two detector that you'd put like in your basement to make sure you don't have a leak of something, right? Right. And he puts it under his mask and breathes, and it like goes, you know, goes off the chart, something like that, right? And see there, that's all. See there, there they trap carbon dioxide and they'll kill you. Right. That's the that's the that's the kind of, kind of evidence that we're that we're looking at here. Right. So the reason that these kinds of things do not provide good evidence for claims uh, is essentially because of three things. Um, let me find out my PowerPoint just so I make sure to get them uh, right. OK, so one is the variable nature of illness illnesses affect people in different ways and different, in different times, uh, different ages and that kind of stuff. And so the fact that one thing worked for, you know, like affected one person one way doesn't mean it'll affect everyone that way. Um, it is uh, it, not, not only to mention that they're, they're they vary in their severity. People get over illnesses more quickly. Some people do than others and certain illnesses affect people differently. Uh, and so um the mere fact that somebody took something and then they felt better doesn't mean that what they took is what made them feel better. They could have already been on the mend, yep. right? Um, or maybe it, you know, that, that affected them that way, but it doesn't affect most people that way, mm-hmm. with what they took, right? And so that doesn't mean that it's some kind of cure or that it will work for you or that it'll even work for most people, right? Um, so we also have to keep in mind the placebo effect, right? The mere fact that someone thinks something works can make them feel better. They take it, they can feel better. Uh, as a result. Yep. Um, and so that doesn't mean that it works, right? This is why you have to have placebo groups. We'll talk about placebo groups here in a minute when I talk about randomly controlled trials. Um, so something else to notice that, that, that to note that I, that I learned the other day is not only do you have to worry about the placebo effect, but a lot of con artists and pseudoscientists and that kind of stuff will slip things like opium into their medicine and so they'll be like, you know, I took it and I felt I felt better afterwards. Uh, Therefore, it works, right? No, you're just high, right? That, that pain, that's a painkiller. And so you're going to feel better afterwards, right? But that doesn't mean that it's curing what the illness that you have, right? It's just making you high for a little bit so you don't feel the pain, right? Wow. Um, so sometimes it's like, that. sometimes it can be the placebo effect. You just feel better because you think you should, right? But other times you actually do feel better, but it's not because the medicine is curing the, the illness that you have, right? It's just treating the symptom of pain because it's an opioid, right. something like that, right? And then lastly, overlook causes. Um, you know, you, you had you you had X and you took Y and then you felt better. Maybe it was Y that made you better, but maybe you did something else. Did you change your diet? Did you do like, we're doing stuff all the time. Uh, 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 we're doing lots of different things all the time. There's different ways that different things that could affect you in, in multiple ways. This is why if you're testing a treatment, right, for a disease, you need a randomly controlled trial. You need a double-blinded, randomly controlled trial. Where and, you take, and let's
0: break that down for a second because I know we hear this a lot. We don't define it a lot.
1: Right. So let what me tell you what, what this is. Yeah. Okay. So here's what you do. All right. You take two groups of individuals, larger the better, all right? Sometimes it'd be three. But, uh, we'll do basic and we'll do like, we'll like do two, two groups. Okay.
0: I hope the groups will be more than three. You didn't say three people.
1: Oh no. I mean, sometimes three, three groups. Oh, sometimes three, three groups. groups.
0: Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Right, good. right.
1: So like in a normal one, you'd have a treatment group and a placebo group, right? And, and you could do some where you have a treatment group or a placebo group, and then a group that gets nothing.
0: Oh, right? just, a, so like just to, just to like provide another insulin. layer of, okay. Right.
1: Right. Like, or like with an acupuncture study, you could do one where somebody gets the real acupuncture. Somebody gets, uh, they get, they get poked, they get needles, but the needles are put in the wrong place. And then you have a third group where you just like literally like do this on people. You're, you're, you're they're blindfolded and you just do this to them and you're not actually poking them with anything.
0: You're, you're not just penetrating kind of the skin. You're just
2: making it. Not penetrating
1: it sharp. the skin at all. Yeah. Right. So you might have three groups, something like that. Right. Yeah, but yeah. In, and normally you just have a control group and then you have the treatment group. Okay. Right. Somebody gets the real medication and somebody gets a sugar pill that we know doesn't do anything. Yeah. Right. And then what you're looking for, the bigger the group, the better. And what you're looking for is a difference in the groups. Right. And if the, the treatment actually works, what you would expect is that for people to get better in the treatment group more often than like more people should get better in the treatment group than in the placebo group. Right. Mm-hmm. If there's no difference in the two groups, then it's not likely doing it doesn't work.
0: And right. if it's and if it's worse, then it's actually hurting people.
1: Yeah, yeah. If you get if it's worse, then it's actually hurting you, right? If you see an increase, right, that's an indication that it likely works. But that in and of itself is not proof that it works, because there could be still biases that slipped in. No randomly controlled problem is perfect. There could be still biases that slipped in. There could be other things that well, there could be data hacking. There could be p hacking. There could be any kind. It needs to be rep- replicatable. which means someone else needs to do the same study in the same way and get the same result. And actually, it's better if that happens two or three or four times.
0: Which is why reading the results of one study can itself mess you up. Yes. Okay. Yes.
1: Yes, very good. And this actually is what leads to people thinking that science is always flip-flopping, right? They say, well, science says X is good for you. Now it says it's not good for you. And they say this, and then they say that, and they change their mind and blah, 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 blah. And so you can never trust science. Whatever they say today, they'll just go back on tomorrow. That's not at all what happens. What happens is somebody does one study that indicates X, and then the media reports it as science proves X, right? No, it didn't. One study indicated X. What happened after that was scientists did their due diligence to see if there was something wrong with that study, and lo and behold, there was. Nobody was able to replicate the results, and they went back and found, and like so nobody saw the same results they did, they went back and found something was wrong with that initial study, and so they came out and said, no, contrary to what was claimed before by the media, X X is not actually true. And so people, oh, science is always flip-flopping. No, it's not. It's always checking itself. The media is misreporting science, thinking that one study proves something when it doesn't.
0: Right. Well, exactly. Now, sometimes we do find through innovation or advanced research, we do find science definitely got it wrong about something. Oh, absolutely. And then we move forward. It's not always misreporting, but, but you might be surprised. And yep. you probably shouldn't be, but you might be. If you're listening to this show, you shouldn't be. But how often the media gets this wrong, right? Because of yes. agenda, because of politics, because of editorial slant, because of advertising dollars,
1: right,
2: et cetera. So yeah. Yes.
1: So and there, there's a really important point to make here too. So um, the 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 idea that science is always flip flopping, like saying X and not it, right? That that comes from the media, right? Yeah. Um, but it's definitely the case that like. Scientists have been wrong in the past, and we've progressed and got to a grander understanding. Like, so I mean, scientists should be progressing and changing its mind, right? Yep. But there's something to notice here that when it does that, it is very seldom that when we make that progress, that it's a complete reversal of what we had before. Right. It's usually an improvement of what we had before, right? So we realize that we were wrong, but we were realized we were wrong only about specific things, and now we have a better idea of what was going on, right? So, for example. Right, uh, you wouldn't consider when we discovered that when we realized that the earth was round rather than flat, right, that was an overturning of the, of the kind of previous idea, you know, and so we kind of we overturned that idea, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but when we did that, right, we, we thought the earth was round, we thought it was the center of everything, right? This was geocentrism, we mm-hmm. thought the earth was the center of everything, we thought it, we figured out it was round, but we thought it was the center of everything, right. Mm-hmm. When we went on to go, to go on to discover heliocentrism, right? That wasn't like we overturned our view of the universe, right? We thought we were at the center and now we're not. But it's not like the round earth view, like, it's not like geocentrism was completely wrong because part of geocentrism was the earth was round. That part was right, right? Yeah. We just improved our understanding of where that round earth is in the cosmos, mm-hmm. right? It right. orbits the sun and we thought the sun was the center. So that's well, that's right. Because
0: we actually, yeah, because there were a number of things we had right about that. One, we planets exist; they're separate from other stellar bodies. The sun exists; it's it's there. We knew that they were orbiting.
1: Right.
0: We knew that it was just this business of this retrograde, this 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 business of them having these irregular, bizarre orbits, and
1: even and and
0: exactly. And then there was the thing about how it had to be a perfect circle, and that had to get unwound right. so yeah but yeah exactly i'm trying to i'm just trying to reinforce your point there
1: yeah no no that's that's perfect right and so what we we accepted heliocentrism after that but that was wrong too because the sun's not the center of everything either right right it's just one of many stars in our galaxy and then our galaxy is not the only one et cetera, etc cetera, etc cetera, right so it's not like i mean that that story that i just told from flat earth to our current understanding of the universe in a certain kind of way is science admitting it got got things wrong over and over and over again but it's not flip-flopping it's right. not, oh, we were totally wrong. And now we think like we thought X and now we, now we think, you know, not X or whatever. Like it's not a complete, it's it's a progression of more advanced, more sophisticated, more accurate views. Each one is more accurate than the last, right? Einstein didn't completely overturn Newton. Newton no. was wrong about a lot of things, right? Yeah. But it was an improvement upon Newton's theory. He didn't overturn Newton per se. He was, it was just an improvement, right? And so this is usually how science progresses, right? And this is actually a really good example of how, wh- how we progressed on masks. Mm. Because, right, the scientific community has recently changed its its view on masks and what they do and that kind of stuff, right? But there's a really interesting, so let me, let me, come, let me come back to that for one second. Very often when there is an, kind of a, an overturning of, 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 of something in science, usually what's overturned is based on kind of old evidence, not great evidence, and it's it, but it's been around for a long time and so it's just kind of been tradition And that tradition's kind of gone gone unchallenged. And then somebody comes in and says, let's challenge that tradition. And people get on board and realize that the old tradition was wrong. Um, A really good example of this was like uh, the the view about um, the earth and uh, uh, the continents and that kind of stuff that there used to be like a kind of like a a shrinking earth view that the the earth was like shriveling over time. And that's how like what caused earthquakes and that kind of stuff. And what replaced that was plate tectonics, right? Right. And plate tectonics was that's pretty recent development and people were not on board with it at all. But it turns out that the old shrinking earth view was just kind of based on bad evidence. Right. And kind of a, a kind of lazy evidence. Right. The same kind of thing happened with masks where people were. Thinking in terms, and I and I was one of these people. I had students. I had a student write on masks in my medical pseudoscience class about like whether you should wear a mask in a pandemic, and the answer was no, you shouldn't. And but the reason why was because two things: one, that student and I was thinking in terms of the mask's ability to protect its wearer, Mm. and they're not actually that good in high risk environments. They don't actually offer that much protection. They offer a little bit, but they don't offer a lot of protection to the wearer. Yep. Right. And then the other assumption was that usually when people are sick, they know it. They have symptoms and they stay, they know no, not to go out and stay home. Right. So like, so and and if you're well, right, like it, it, it's not going to provide any protection to you that much. And it's not going to protect other people from from you because you're well. So you don't, you know, you don't have the illness, right? So there's no real use in wearing them uh, during a pandemic because either you're sick and you shouldn't be out or if you are, you should be wearing it. But if you're well, there's no real reason to to wear the mask. Right. Well what happened was people shifted their view and realized two things. One, they're not just good for protecting the wearer, they're good for protecting others in case you happen to be sick, right? Now if everybody knew they were sick, we could just ha- we wouldn't have to require everyone to wear them. We could just say sick people should wear them. But then we realized number two that a and pre-symptomatic spread is really common with COVID, right? People could have it entirely and never not and not even never know it. That's right. Or they could have it for days before they come down with really severe symptoms and be, can be contagious that entire time, right? right? Like for a week they can have it, right? And once we realized that, there was kind of a, there, was a, there was a paradigm shift in a certain kind of way. where we were thinking in terms of masks ability to, to, to protect healthy people. Well, they're not really that useful for that. They're a little useful, uh, but they're not really that useful, especially in low risk environments, right? But once we shifted and started thinking in terms of protecting other people, in a situation where people can not be healthy but not realize it, right? They can be sick but but think that they're healthy. The entire paradigm shifts, and it makes complete sense to be wearing the masks and for everyone to be wearing the masks because you don't know if you're sick or not, and it can protect other people, right? And so there was this kind of paradigm shift, but it was kind of based on everyone just kind of was going was kind of going with the flow on masks and thinking of of them as, as they always had. And once this paradigm shift came in, everybody went, "Oh yes, I, I, I it makes sense now, right?" Um, and so anyway. So
0: it seems um, like it seems like there was um, a lot of confusions and mixed messaging on that as well, of course, that contributed to the problem of people politicizing it.
1: Yes. um, And, and And the CDC and the HWO, I think, and this is very common in medicine. Um, they're very suspicious of new claims, mm-hmm. right? Because of the amount of pseudoscience out there, right? And how often when something you know newfangled comes along, it's, it's most often wrong. So they're very resistant to change. They're very resistant to new kind of information coming down uh, and, and overturning you know the recommendations that they've had in the past because it is very uncommon for new information to come out in that kind of way to kind of overturn, you know, but it does happen. And yeah. that's the challenge is figuring out, when you have a legitimate reason to change your view here and when it's just really pseudoscience. And they just they were just kind of, they were too slow. I think the CDC and both the, both the CDC and the WHO were too slow uh, to change those recommendations. I also think that they've been too slow to acknowledge, we're getting into COVID now, but too slow to acknowledge the roles that aerosols might play um, in in the spread of infection, they're mainly saying that it's it's droplets and it looks very clear that droplets are definitely a main source of infection um, Where uh, you know you get it on surfaces you get it on people, whatever it gets into them and that kind of stuff, right? Um, but aerosols may very likely be a means of transmission as well And it's not clear how much and they've been very resistant It took a lot of big scientists writing them a big letter to say you need to acknowledge that aerosols might be at play here um, and that this needs to be investigated so that we understand it better. Mm. Um, That's interesting. here's a fun little, That's here's interesting. A fun little tidbit. some people use the aerosol, that, 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 fact that aerosols very likely are part of the transmission to say, well, masks can't work at all. Why, 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 why wear a mask if it's going to be aerosols? And here's the fun thing. Masks can block aerosols. They can't. They don't block them quite as efficiently as they dro- block, block droplets. It's about 90 versus 80% for aerosols. But they can. St- studies have shown that they can block aerosols. Um, and they've done randomized controlled trials where you get a sick person, you put a mask on them, and you measure the, the, the air in the room and you compare that to a sick person without a mask and you measure the air in the room. And the number of aerosol infected particles is dramatically lower. They can block aerosols. One of the really important things that they do is so whenever you're talking or, or, or breathing or whatever, a number of different size of droplets are coming out of your mouth, right? The big droplets, the uh, the mask can just grab. It can, it can just, it just, it blocks them pretty easy. Um, the, the the ones that exit your mouth and that are already aerosols, when they exit your mouth, again, about 80% likely, and they can slip through the sides and that kind of stuff. But only about one in every 700 aerosols coming out of an infected person's mouth would actually have a virus in them. Mm. So, I mean, there's a lot of aerosols out there. So, it's still like, it's a still, you know, there's some concern there, right? But since they can capture about 80% of them and only about one in 700 have anything in them now, anyway.
0: Yeah. Now, just to be clear, because I want to make sure I'm understanding this as well as the audience. So, by aerosols, you're talking about breath.
1: Okay. So, by aerosols, I mean droplets that are so small that gravity does not pull them to the ground. That they oh,
0: float so we're still talking about micro droplets of mucus or saliva. In the up, air, right. but we're talking about the difference between heavier droplets that would fall versus carried in the air. I, I'm glad I clarified that because I wasn't yes. totally clear what you meant by that. So good.
1: And if you want more details on this, look up a paper I have called uh, um, How We Know Masks Work, or yeah, how we know masks work? Cool. Um, I'll give I'll give you a link. That you yeah, can, we'll you can link to link. it
0: in the show notes. Um,
1: it's on Academia, it's on ResearchGate, it's on my 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 another logical take blog. You can find that, um, and I kind of go over the details here. So let me let me let me let me explain. Um, so there's different size droplets that are coming out of your mouth, right? Yep. Some of them are big old piles of spit. Yep. Right, like yep. when you like <laughs> right um, when you see that, right? And then there's others of varying sizes, right? Uh, some of them are so big that when they leave your mouth, gravity will pull them down and they'll settle on a surface. Sure. Okay. Some of them are so small that when they come out of your mouth, they're just airborne. And they just stay airborne. They float around right the, the gravity can't pull them down. And so they float in the air. Okay. Again, only about one in every 700 of those particles that are aerosols. When they leave your mouth, they're light enough to float around, but only about one in 700 would even have a single biron in it, in it. Um, so, but there's a lot of them. So you could so we're, but like 99% of the viral load that leaves your mouth is in those droplets. Yep. Not the, not the aerosols. Got like, it. That's like, like 1%. Okay. Right? But in between those two extremes, the big droplets that would drop and hit the ground and the ones that leave your mouth that are, they're so small, they're already floating. There are these other size droplets that are big enough to be pulled down by gravity But before they hit the ground, they will evaporate enough to become an aerosol.
2: Ah, okay.
1: And because they started out bigger, they're more likely to have viruses in them and for their viral load to be larger. They could have more than one virus in them. But they might shrink down to the size of like, you know, uh, uh, like one micron or 10 microns that it's small enough so it can float. Okay. Okay.
0: And the idea is that the mass can stop some of that.
1: Exactly. Well, though here's the thing is it, those, those, those particles that start out as droplets and then would aerosolize that they would, they would, they would evaporate and aerosolize. It keeps them from aerosolizing because they, the mass catches those ah. with 90% accuracy as they come out of your mouth. So it catches the ones that are already aerosols with about 80% efficiency, but the ones that would become more potent aerosols, it catches those coming out. Right. So that's why if aerosol, if if aerosol spread is a real danger for covid anti-maskers will say well then masks can't do any good because they, they can't catch aerosols a yes they can catch aerosols and b they can prevent droplets from becoming aerosols and right. that is dramatically important and so even if it is aerosolized even even if it even if the only mode of infection is aerosols masks are still vastly important right. because they can block aerosols and keep droplets from becoming aerosols
0: what have you found to be well, have you found in your research on this because you've clearly done some deep dives on this when you're talking about t- t- you know explaining aerosols to me? Um, w- is there any validity? Let me just put it this way is there any validity to any of the anti mask arguments that you have seen? Because I have heard the most ridiculous ones that to me debunk themselves. I mean, before the person's even done talking, they sound so stupid that I can't, you know, that the, the mask uh, can t- captures your CO2 and either kills you through oxygen deprivation or makes you so stupid that you buy into having to wear a mask.
1: <laughs> right? Right, right, right. I've heard both we're, of those. poison right? you from CO2, right? Yes. Like that's the, the, yes. the kid who puts the, the CO2 sensor under his yes. mask and and it, it goes off the scale, yeah. right? Which is the same
0: um, kind of debunking thinking as as bringing a level with you on an airplane. I mean, it's just, you know, these flat earthers yeah. who do that crap, right? You're just like,
1: yeah. you don't really quite
0: get how this works, do you? <laughs> you know?
1: Right. And notice like a couple of things, right? Like A, that, um, so, so quickly to answer your question, no, I've, no, I've seen no validity to them, okay. And I'm going to talk more about that in a minute. Okay. Uh, uh, B, um, like notice with the, with the CO2 sensor under the mask, right? Like that CO2 sensor is for, is for detecting like carbon dioxide in your basement. Like it's in like in the, in the regular ambient air or whatever. Right. Like if you breathed on that thing without a mask, it, the CO2 sensor is going to go off. right? Exactly. Like that's not what it's calibrated for. Right? That's right. And this is why, like there's no control. Like if you really wanted to show that you'd have somebody breathe on it without a mask and somebody breathe on it with a mask, that'd be somewhat of a controlled trial. Right. And they're not doing that. They're just putting on the mask and they, the thing goes off. They're trying to scare people. Right. Yep. Um, And notice the absolute positive absurdity of this claim that masks are dangerous in this way, that they can trap oxygen and and keep oxygen out and trap carbon dioxide in, right? Because the same people who say that are the same people who say that they don't work, that they can't trap trap droplets and aerosols because they leak everywhere and da 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 Well, I got news for you, Jack. Droplets are liquid. Aerosols are still liquid. Oxygen's a gas. CO2 is a gas, right? There is no possible way that masks are so porous that they just let liquid flow through them readily. And then they're so non porous that they trap gas, gases and will choke you to death.
2: Exactly. It makes
1: absolutely no sense, right? But there's no, that's literally a squared circle. Well, right? that's, the, fa- that's the, people-
2: the Yeah.
0: I mean, that's the thing. These are people who are clearly deep. In the, in the recesses of motivated reasoning. I mean, these are, these are right. people who are just, they, they have to think this way. So they're just grasping at straws for why they have to think that way or because right. they have to think that way, you know, and that's, that's the psychological, emotional side of it. We're really not addressing that with what we're talking about here today. Right. But, but right. That, that is what's going on is, I mean, the, 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 the facts are clearly not on their side.
1: Right, right. Now, let me know. Uh, there's, if there's any anti-maskers watching, I know what's going through their mind right now. Yep. What they're saying is, go about randomized controlled trials, and there's no randomized controlled trials to show that masks work. That's what they're saying. And so that's that's the science. You're, you're the one that's being anti-scientific because you're ignoring the fact that there are no randomly controlled trials that show that masks do what they do, right? that, they're, that, they, that they help prevent the spread of COVID. So let me talk to that point. Yeah. Because that's, yeah. that's the closest thing you're going to get to a good argument of. And it's it's a crap argument. And let me explain why. Okay. There's, there's kind of some, a little bit complicated philosophy of science in here, but it's, it's, it's necessary. All right. Okay.
0: So I love complicated philosophy of science.
1: Okay. So <laughs> randomized control trials, all right, are often said to be the golden standard of science. This is not accurate. They are now, let me be very clear. They are very good and very useful and very necessary for things like treatments, like, does this drug cure what we think this drug cures,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? You need multiple randomized controlled trials to establish that a drug does what, it, what it's claiming to do, right? Mm-hmm. And notice that it has to be multiple. One randomized controlled trial, even when it's carefully controlled in every respect, can still be off, can still be biased, can still be misleading. It could still be wrong. That happens all the damn time. That's okay. why we have to have repeatability. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. So. But secondly, they are so, so they're very necessary for that. But they randomized controlled trials are not always possible for other questions. The, you can't do a randomized controlled trial for every scientific question out there. And attempts to try to do, kind of do makeshift versions of them can, some, can sometimes be dangerous or misleading because they can make you think something's true when it's not. Mm. So. So, in other words, randomized controlled trials are very nuanced. There's a lot going on in a randomized controlled trial. And there's all different kinds of ways that things could go astray in a randomized controlled trial. Okay? Mm -hmm. And so, because of that, they're very easily misused by pseudoscientists. Because you can quote mine them very easily. You can pull out that, like we were talking about before. You can pull out that sentence that and, and quote it, and it makes it sound like that it supports your position, and leave out all the nitty gritty details of of how this of how the, the the study was done, and how big the groups were, and how biases might have crept in, and where the author says that this study was limited, and so it can't really. They can leave all of that stuff out. So randomized controlled trials can be very misleading, especially in the hands of pseudoscientists. Cause they can quote mind them and make them seem like they say something that they don't say.
2: Right.
1: And couple that with the fact that it's, they're not always as well controlled as you think that they are. That can make them doubly dangerous. Right. Okay. So let, let me give you an example that I found very, very useful here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so let, let me, let me preface it with this. So in general, Science is not as simple as, so there's different kinds of evidence, and one kind of evidence is better at the, than the other, and up here is randomized controlled child, and they're the gold standard, and that's what every, every piece of science adheres to. No, that is not how science works. There are multiple ways to do scientific argument. There's multiple lines of evidence to indicate that, that something is true, and if something really is true, you want multiple lines of evidence to point in that direction, and if you've got multiple lines of, point, of evidence that point in one direction and one that doesn't, it's the one that's probably wrong. Even if it is randomized controlled trials, because of the ways that they can be flawed, because of the biases that can creep in, because of all the different ways they can go wrong, because of how they can be quote mined, et cetera, et cetera. You got multiple lines of evidence, but you got like, you know, some randomized controlled trials, et cetera. That's that's not gonna be, that's not gonna overturn all the other evidence that you have. Okay. Okay. So here's my example. All right. See if I can do a little Socratic method here with you. All right. All right. Suppose that you wanted to know whether or not uh, bulletproof vests were safe and effective. Mm-hmm. Do they protect their wearer? What, mm-hmm. what kind of evidence would you what would you want? What kind of evidence would you look for?
0: Well, I mean the first thing that comes to my mind is in terms of putting a, a you know, a, a test of some kind together would be you know, taking a dummy, <laughs> crash test dummy or something, right? Sticking a bulletproof vest on it and shooting it and then good. seeing what happens to the crash test dummy body, right? Good,
1: good. versus Very good.
0: versus shooting. One without a bulletproof vest on it, I suppose, if you wanted your control.
1: Good, good, right? So that's a nice randomized control trial, right? Yep. And you would show you, know, you could look at the difference between the dummy and the, the two dummies and see which one took more damage, et cetera, et cetera, right? Yep. You, you could do that, absolutely, right? Notice that's not perfect, though, because a dummy is not a person, right? True. And,
2: Take a cow and dummy, or a <laughs>
1: Like the dummy's not in a combat situation and that kind of stuff. Right. So there's True. some weaknesses. That's not a perfect randomized controlled trial. Right. Yep. It definitely indicates that. Right. So, but if I were to, uh, anything else, what other kind of evidence can you think of that you could, um,
0: well, now I start thinking, I mean, based on what you just said there, I start thinking about deeper levels of, 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 you know, uh, testing this. I mean, okay, fine. So if we, if we show on enough test dummies that it, that it, that it, you know, isn't penetrating? Then maybe we'll bring some humans in now, and we'll give them a go. <laughs> but you still, you, you know, but, then, but you- oh, but if you can't, then okay, fine. Our crash test dummy is then going to be put in different angles, different positions. We're going to shoot from different positions. I mean, you can document all of this and get it right. pretty worked out as to from every angle or vector of attack. How does it work? How does it not work? Where is it weak? Where is it strong, et cetera? I mean, you could figure that stuff out pretty quick. Good,
1: good, good. right, right. Yeah. You could, right? But again, notice it's a dummy, not a combat situation. Yes. So it wouldn't be completely analogous, right? Yeah. And you can't do it with a human. Ethically, you can't do it. You can't right. bring a human in and start firing live ammunition at him. No, that's, that's not. Oh, of be
0: course, nice. you would also do different types of ammunition. Yes, good. Right? Because, good. because, again, I mean, you say it's not a combat situation, but you can reproduce the physical. Yes, situation of a combat situation. You can't reproduce the emotional situation, but you don't need to for a bulletproof vest. It has no, that has nothing to do with whether it's going to work or not.
1: Uh, Yes. Whether it's going to, whether it's going to stop a bullet. Cause that's all. Yeah. Will it it stop the bullets that hit it?
0: Exactly. It doesn't matter how the bulletproof vest is feeling that day. It's going to stop it consistently from different angles, which you can figure out and different, Levels of bullets, right? Different, different right. Uh, right. rounds. So, so, yeah,
1: right. Good, good, very good, right? So, in other words, like you could. Okay, so there's a couple other lines of evidence you could, you could do. You could just explain the physics of how it works, yep. right? Like, you could say, this is what Kevlar does. This is how it works. Here's how it disperses the impact, et cetera, et cetera. You could explain the physics of how it works. You could show it working on dummies with, like, randomized controlled trials in the lab and that kind of stuff, right? And again, you could do multiple lines, like, different kinds of bullets and different angles da, 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 and show how all that works, right? Yep. And then another, again, but again, the dummies are not in real-life combat situations, right? And so you could, you can't, like, you could... Also look at like real world data, right? Like here's an mm-hmm. army platoon that wasn't wearing w- vests and then they started wearing vests and the injury and death rate went down.
2: Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Um,
1: and you could, you could see that like, and here, here's a whole bunch of examples. They did it and it went down, they did it and it went down. They did it and it, da, 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 da Right. Um,
0: that's your, that's your and, beta testing, isn't it?
1: Right. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, but it's, much. It's, it's notice that because it's in the real world, it's not all that well controlled. Mm hmm. Right. Like it's, Mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's lots of variables there. Right. Uh, If you saw a a platoon start using it and their injury rate didn't go down. Right. You wouldn't say, Oh, I guess they don't work. Right. You would say, Oh, well they must be in a special circumstance where like everybody who's shooting at them is always shooting at the head or right. That they were, uh, or maybe the opposite, maybe the injury rate didn't go down because they're not on hard duty.
0: Exactly. They never saw any combat. Right. Never got shot at. So
1: Exactly. Another really good example of this is um, uh, uh, like you would think that like like uh, uh, metal helmets help protect your head and help prevent, you know, like head injury and death. Right. Yep. Um, and so this actually happened in World War One. When World War One started, they were just giving them stocking caps and then and the death rate from head injury was really high. Um, or I'm sorry, the injury rate, the injury rate for, for what was really high. And so uh, they put helmets on them to try to prevent injury. And the injury rate actually like metal helmets, the injury rate actually went up when they put metal helmets on them and that might make you think, Oh, well, then I guess metal helmets don't work. Nope. What happened was the death rate went down from head, head injury, death rate went down and all those would be head injury deaths turned into head injury right. injuries.
2: injuries. Right. There we right. go. Yep.
1: And, and so it actually, so they did work. Right. But you have to very, be very careful with what, what you're measuring. Right. Yep. So the point of this is that, um, The real world is messy. The real world is chaotic. It is not easily controlled at all. Yep. Right? So if you were to ever do a randomly controlled trial on bulletproof vests, right? The only actual real foolproof, bias-proof way to do such a trial that was really subject to no error and no randomness and no chaos or anything like that would be like take a 1,000 people, give half of them bulletproof vests, give half of them this vest that i'm wearing here put them in a room lock them in there blindfold some people with guns and just sh- start shooting randomly and see if the bulletproof vest if they if they survive more frequently right that'd be the right. only way to truly clearly ethically you can't do that right 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 so the only way to do a randomized controlled trial ethically is to look at people who are already using them or not using them in the real world, right? Like you look at this platoon they have them, you look at this platoon they don't. And you do that with multiple platoons or whatever, right? And and you know, you would look at them. So like we'll do it with two platoons, right? And uh, and if you, you know, what you would expect to see is that the platoon with them would have a, you know, a lower injury and death rate and the platoon without them would have a higher injury and death rate. Okay. Right. Right? But again, the real world is chaotic. Right? If you if we perform such a study, and we found no difference in, in those two groups, right? The, the Bulletproof, the, the best-wearing group, the non-best-wearing group. We compared them, and there was no difference in death and injury between the two groups. That would not be enough to convince me that Bulletproof just don't work. Well, no,
0: you'd control. have to actually show somehow, uh, and tell me if I'm right on this, but it seems that you'd have to somehow show how you have controlled for every other variable
1: Yes, and that's the thing is you can't. And in the right. real world, you cannot control for every other variable. That's right. Right. There will right. always be randomness and chaos and weirdness and things that could go wrong. Right. The ev- so notice that we have like we have all these lines of evidence that, that bulletproof. We have the physics of how they work. Right. We have all these lab tests that we've done with the dummies and all that kind of stuff. We have all this other you know correlational data where you know they started using it injury rates. We have all of that line of evidence. Right. That line of evidence is so strong. That if you're doing a randomly controlled trial, but it's in the real world and so it's subject to chaos and randomness and can't be perfectly controlled, no matter how good it is, it's not going to overturn this evidence.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Right? So if, it's, it's... if it's really well done and they can control it as well as they, as they can, they might be able to show something like, this kind of vest is better for these kinds of situations than this kind of vest, right? right? You might be able to do something like that, but no randomized controlled trial is ever, ever going to show... That bulletproof just, just not safe face, just don't work at all. Yeah. Because the lines of yeah. evidence are already too strong. We yeah. know physically that they work. We've we've seen the, the by points, we see the correlational data. You're never gonna be able to overturn that with a randomized
0: control. Well, exactly. And it also just I mean, this is one of those areas where we have to also be willing to you know step back and just be informed by the common sense of it. I mean, and I right. know that's not yeah. scientific, right. but we are humans we are human beings applying science in an effort to find probabilities and right. it's f- pretty clear that when you put sheets of kevlar between a human body and the and the environment that's more protection than without it there right. and and as you said we have these lines of evidence right those right. lines of evidence would pretty would be very useful to show that toilet paper would not be a reasonable substitute for kevlar Right. But so is your common sense.
1: Right. 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 Yeah. But we have, so we have, like we physically understand what that what that they do, what they need to do to protect the person. We physically understand. We prove that yep. with understanding of physics, with the lab, with, with the lab. And we've seen correlational data that indicate they do exactly that. Right. Right. And so there's going to be certain situations where people get shot in the head instead. So it didn't protect them. Right. right. Or they get shot in the leg and they bleed out or something like that so you right. can protect them,
0: right? Like Or they were using armor piercing rounds or missed. or or exactly. or or. There's no right. way you can control all those factors.
1: Right, right. right. So because of that, randomized control trials are never going to overturn the evidence that bulletproof vests offer protection. Right. Exactly. Right? Okay.
2: And it's so. actually
0: and it's actually not having those other lines of evidence that sem- that tends to be our main objection in the world of scientific criticism or or pseudoscience criticism because here's a claim here's an anecdote a testimonial but all right. those other lines of evidence don't exist for this
1: right. homeopathic
0: right. remedy quantum entangle you know whatever right
1: right or the the vest denial or the mask denial exactly there's no other let me finish out my analogy here right so so, 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 to kind of illustrate this so if you had someone who came along and said well vests can't offer any kind of protection at all because your head is exposed and your arms are exposed and and your legs are still exposed you would say, uh, "No, that just means they don't offer perfect protection. They can't protect against everything, right? But that doesn't mean that they don't protect you at all. That's the what what us logicians call the all or nothing fallacy, right? You don't have to be, or offer perfect protection to offer some protection. And I'm not claiming that they offer 100% protection. I'm just saying that they offer some protection. That's right. 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 So as soon as somebody gives you that argument, skeptical red flag goes off. Like you're That's, that's obviously the case that, that the fact that they don't protect your head doesn't mean they offer no protection. So you you probably got some motivated reasoning here. Exactly. Right. And so then that same person comes and says, well, I read a randomized controlled trial that showed that they, that they, that they, uh, that they offer no protection. And then you look at the trial and you figure out that the trial was actually about whether or not they served as flotation devices. (laughs) And the answer was no.
0: Right. Right. Can bulletproof vests help you while you're sinking in the ocean? No, they're they're no help whatsoever.
1: (laughs) Right. But such a study could be quote mined (laughs) to make it sound like they don't offer protection against drowning, but they leave the against drowning part out and they just say they don't offer protection. Right. Uh, But when you look at it, well, that study is not about what we're talking about. Right. 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 And so then, they all say, okay, well, you want to know whether they, protect against, whether they protect against bullets? Well, then, here, I found this other randomized controlled trial, and it, it, it had people with best and not best, and it shot bullets at them, and it found no difference between the two groups, right? And they quote, they quote the line in the study that says it found no difference between two groups, right? And then, again, you look closer at the study, and yeah, they, they, they found no difference, but they were firing rubber bullets at 50 yards. Right. And they left that part out. Right? Right right you would say okay I, i'm done i'm done with you at this point uh, right that's exactly like, you what you quote would be me 50 more randomized controlled trials that you say math that say, prove that mass don't work and i'm not going to believe you because you have proven that you are a liar right that like you right. are willfully and intentionally misleading people about what the science says and so quote me a bunch more studies i don't care i'm not even gonna bother to look at them at this point because it's just a waste of time exactly Right. Like you, like this is, you had your, you had your opportunity to provoke, provide the smoking gun evidence and that's the best you could come up with. Done.
2: Exactly. Right.
0: I mean, this is the reason why we don't tend to really want to debate flat earthers a whole lot anymore. Right. I mean, one, they're the lowest hanging fruit of the critical thinking world, but two, they just won't listen to a thing you say, and you debunk every one of their arguments, and they just keep coming back with more. They
1: have another one. They've got another one, have one, one. another one.
0: Another one. Another one. So you realize mm-hmm. that you're not having a, an honest debate. You're not dealing with somebody who's talking with you honestly. They're they are they're engaged in again motivated reasoning. Right. right. they they have an agenda. In other words, and well, the agenda is not the objective truth.
1: Yes, exactly. And that's what this person reveals about. They have some kind of agenda against Kevlar vests. I don't know what it is. Right. This, this, so if the analogy is not obvious, I'll make it obvious. The same thing is happening with masks. Right. Okay. We understand what they have to do to reduce the spread of COVID. They need to block droplets and aerosols. We understand what they need to do.
2: Yeah.
1: We have the physical evidence, like the physical explanation for how they do that uh, with droplets of all size, including aerosols. Again, if you want all the details, go look at my paper on it, why, how we know masks work. And it explains Brownian motion and how they small, stop the smallest particles and how they stop the other particles, et cetera, et cetera. We, we know the physics of it, right? We have trials where we have people that like, you know, you put sick people in a room and you put a mask on them, other sick people and not a mask on, you test the air and the number of infected aerosols and droplets are smaller in the air. Like it's, it's greatly reduced, right? Yep. We understand that, right? Uh, we have done the, 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 actual physical, like we put masks and we put air through them. We figure out how many droplets and that kind of stuff that they're blocking. And we see 80% for stuff that's 10 microns and lower, or I'm sorry, 0.3 microns and lower and 90% for stuff that's bigger. Um, right. So like we, we have all of that kind of, that's the, that's our lab tests. That's our dummy tests that we're doing, right? And then we have the correlational data, right? In nations, in states, in counties, in cities, in hospitals, over and over and over and over and over and over again, when you compare places that have mask mandates and don't, the infection rate goes down where you have the mask mandates over and over and over and over and over again, right? Now, those are correlational studies. And somebody's going to say, oh, but correlation does not entail causation. That is a misuse of that fallacy. Right. correlation right. does not always oh, does not guarantee causation that's true right and certainly one instance of correlation does not entail does not entail causation right
2: right about a thousand but,
1: but multiple correlations all pointing in the same direction strongly indicate a causal relationship that's right. this is the same kind of argument that you would get that that seatbelts save lives right in this, you, you can't do a randomized controlled trial with real people with seatbelts, right? You can do the dummy trials, right? You can do the dummy, right. and throw the dummy against the wall in the car, right? That's right. And then you can look, let's look at states that that, that have seatbelt laws and ones that don't and look at fatality rates, right? Or look at what happens in states after they have the seatbelt laws. Do they, And they always do, right? right. Like, and once you see that, like every time a state instigates a seatbelt law and the fatality rate on automobile accidents goes down. They work, right? You don't need a randomized controlled trial to show that they work. And any randomized controlled trial that show they didn't would be obviously flawed, exactly. right? You might be able to show that one kind of seatbelt works better than another or like compare airbags and that kind of stuff, right? But you're never going to over, overturn that seatbelts save lives because of the multiple lines of evidence we have with this. It's the same with masks, right? We have the physical evidence we have the, uh, the the lab evidence that they do exactly what they need to do to help prevent the spread of COVID. And we have the correlational evidence to show that's exactly what they do over and over and over and over and over and over again. Right. We see that when you institute mask mandates, infection rates go down. Does it stop it completely? No, it's part, of, it's part of the process. It's part of one of the many things that we need to do to help prevent the spread. But they help. They're not useless as anti-mask advocates are suggesting that they are.
2: Exactly. And
1: when and so, but what's happened is the anti-mask advocates will come in and say, "Oh, they can't stop all the droplets; therefore, they're useless." Bulletproof vest can't stop all the bullets; doesn't mean that they're useless.
2: Exactly. Oh,
1: well, I read this one study about how masks are not effective. That study is about masks protecting healthcare workers in high-risk environments. They're not about. Preventing source spread in low risk environments. Totally different topic. That's the, it's a flotation device.
2: Right, Right, and, exactly. Right? Well, and
1: then, oh, I found this one study that's actually about source set and it was unable to find a difference. And they quote that one line from the study, right? Yep, but you're leaving out the part where the author specifically stated that the people in the mask group weren't wearing the mask properly and that there were just a few people in the, in, the, in the groups. And so the study's not powerful enough to really show us anything. You left all of that part out because you're intentionally trying to deceive us because you have some kind of agenda. Exactly.
2: This is, um, it's, it's,
0: well, no, no, you get worked up about it and it's correct because this is health, but this is public health. We're talking about this is safety and, and it is something we should be passionate about. And the fact that people are, are getting away with this, I mean, you know, freedom of speech, freedom of thought, da can become free-dumb very quickly yeah. in the face of a, an epidemic, a pandemic. Like, what are we talking about here? You know, well, I can't be free. Well, when you're sick, <laughs> when there are sick people around you, like, what are you talking about? It's such a non-sequitur that has been... It's just button-pushing. And there's a broader... Discussion to be had there about nationalism and and cultic thinking and us versus them and all that stuff and and you guys know what I'm talking about with that. So, uh, but just this, this the the critical thinking part. This is this is why we get to feel so strongly about the positivity and usefulness and efficacy of masks because the science, as you've very clearly laid out here in this episode, shows that that's the side we should be on. There shouldn't even yeah. be a side. This shouldn't be a sides issue when it comes to public health. I don't even know how we're having a debate about this. It it, it boggles me. Yeah,
1: and you know is, what's ironic about it you know, too is that this is where like this is the the, the anti science people should be all over this because scientists changed their mind, right? This is this yeah, the scientists right? were wrong about this initially, and then they changed their mind. So they should be that should be one of these examples of like, oh look how science can be wrong, right? That's like, right. What else? They wrong about you know, like right like they did. They should be saying they're right about masks, but they had to change their mind. What else are they wrong about that we need to change your mind up? But they're not. No, they're the sticklers. They're the conservative. They're they're like you know they're the ones. that are like oh we just need to stick with what we always said that masks would do and and how they worked and blah blah blah. And it's like well we've got it. We've updated that right. We understand them differently and what they do differently and we understand COVID differently than we did initially. Right. I explained that all at the beginning. But, no,
2: totally. Like, but
1: it, that that's I mean it, it's it's astonishing that it's like no you should. You well, should. it's
0: like it's like I asked. You know, I did a little survey the other week, last week on, um, on Twitter about uh, uh, how many of y'all have already made up your mind as to who you're voting for. Like, I, I didn't get a ton of responses. I think I got about 50. Um, you Twitter followers, you better start answering my polls. <laughs> um, one person, I think, said, no, I still have to make up my mind.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Okay. Like everybody was like, no, I already, I already know exactly who I'm voting for. And I'm just sitting here watching this election cycle go forward as though these people are, you know, avidly trying to convince people of their rightness of their side, conservatives, liberals, whatever, you know, and, and you're just like, why, why do we even waste our time? Millions of dollars is going to be spent by hundreds of agencies between now and November to try to change hearts and minds in a complete what is ne- what is almost a completely useless activity.
1: Well, let, let me let me offer a, a challenge to you on that. Please. Um, why why the advertisements and that kind of stuff? The money that will be spent will be worthwhile. Um, you're right that most people have already decided who they would vote for, right? Mm-hmm. But not everybody is convinced that they're actually going to go out to vote. Most oh, of the advertising true. and that kind of stuff yes. that you're going to see is about motivating people. Yes. To Look how bad this person is. This is not something that you can sit out. It is a, so, it, so it's about getting people to get out there and vote. They already it's know fine. who they would vote for if they bothered, right? Right. But they may not. Right. And so there's a lot of it that is geared towards turnout. And a lot of that money that is spent is not about changing people's mind about who to vote for, but about convincing them that it's important enough to get out of their seats and go and vote. Uh, and that's really important because this this will be this will be determined by turnout. Yeah, um, not only sure. turnout, but like whether whether the ballots are actually counted and that kind of stuff. So you got to worry about the oh God, system.
0: all that stuff. Exactly. All right. Well, let's that's move toward wrapping up here because we've okay. covered a lot of territory here. This has been a really interesting and I hope informative podcast for folks out there about, you know, again, tips, things you can do, principles, guidelines, ideas to keep in mind when you're criticizing or being critical or looking into anything. You know, that's what we tried to cover here. Give you some examples, some specific examples. Uh, Of course, the most current fresh one, COVID and masks. But this is far more applicable to to far more things than just that. So I want to thank Dr. Johnson for being part of the show here. Thank you very much for coming on and taking the time to do all this.
1: Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me on. I had a blast.
0: Yeah, exactly. And we will do more. Oh, we have so many, so many things to talk about. Uh, Okay, including all this stuff in our background that we hardly ever get to. All this, all this cool sci-fi stuff. Oh yeah. All right.
1: Talk all day about this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, folks out there, thanks for coming around and watching and listening to what we had to say. Considering what we, um, you know, food for thought here. And if you are finding this channel informative, interesting, educational, entertaining, then perhaps consider joining me on Patreon to support this channel and what I do here. This is my job, and you guys help me keep the lights on and the show going. And or, of course, you can always just throw a... uh, Little of my way through PayPal if you're just interested in a one off. But every little bit definitely helps and uh, does keep these lights on and keep this short this show going here. So thanks for coming around and watching, and I will see you next week. Bye bye.